Hello and welcome to a special edition of the What the Folk podcast. Manchester United have re-signed Cristiano Ronaldo, Chelsea have spent big bucks on Romelu Lukaku and Jack Grealish has joined Man City for £100 So to be fair, the transfer window has been a little bit mental. However, I don't think anything could have prepared us for Sunderland having a transfer window so good that we managed to poach a former and the current Bayern Munich starlet. And whilst it looks very, very good on paper, the truth is not many of us really know about their talents or the abilities of either German youngsters Leon Djajaku and Ron Thorben Hoffman. But thankfully, as our listeners to our Euro 2020 podcast may remember, Christian Speakman wasn't the only man to strike up a relationship with Bayern Munich over the summer. So was I. Um, so to discuss what Sunderland fans can come to expect from our two new signings is the wonderful in-depth, probably our most in-depth guest I've ever had, um, Tom from our class, our German football expert, specifically Bayern Munich expert for Bavarian Football Works. Tom, it's been two months. How are you doing? Are you all right? Yeah, I, I again have to. I know in the Twitter direct messages, I've I gave you all my condolences for England in the Euros, but I was just going to say somehow, you know, coronavirus has just completely warped my perception of time. It feels like basically five years have passed since then, when in reality, it's really been just over two months. And, you know, experiencing that ride that was Euro 2020 was a pleasure to preview England, Germany uh, with you guys last time. And that was a lot of fun. But yeah, so much has happened since then. We already are a few matches into a new season. And yeah, we've got two players to talk about that Sunderland fans, in my opinion, should be very excited for. Uh, it's great business. And, and there's a lot of good things to look forward to, in my opinion. So uh, we'll get into that. Like I said, it was it was only a couple of months ago. It does feel a while ago, to be honest. Um, but before we get into the bones of it, I, I don't think I ever expected you to return to discuss Sunderland signing by Munich players. You would hope it would be Lewandowski, but obviously that's not the case. Um, but nonetheless, as a Bayern fan, as Sunderland fans, we feel surprised just because of the magnitude of the club. Obviously, it it feels good. We don't really know too much about them, but were you surprised to see the pair of them land in the third tier of English football? I guess the latter part of that statement, perhaps, yes. Uh, you know, we were talking off air. Bayern has a really good system. Uh, a loan system specifically, especially with attaching those permanent options on the end of those contracts, as is the case for both of these guys. And, you know, as we discussed, resale value for Bayern, you know, if they wind up doing well and they come back uh, or if they stay and wind up transferring elsewhere, obviously Bayern still get kick kickbacks from those sales. Uh, so just looking back, I know that these are both players that were a, a big part of Bayern getting promoted from the regional Liga to the three Liga and then subsequently winning the three Liga with uh, Holger Seats, who was the manager at the time. He no longer is uh, for, for Bayern's reserves. And just to clear that up for every everybody, Bayern, too, is essentially just the reserve team for Bayern. Uh, and they don't normally play in the three Liga, three Liga but Germany kind of has a complex uh, regional-based promotion system for all of the leagues. Essentially, the league that Bayern's reserves play in right now is the equivalent of League One in England, you know, a step down from the EFL, which is obviously a step down from the top flight Premier League. So while I was a little bit surprised to see them go to Sunderland, uh, Torben Hoffman, you know, Bayern had actually extended his contract last summer to make sure he wouldn't leave on a free, which in reality could wind up benning, uh, benefiting, excuse me, Sunderland in the in the long run, especially after a couple of seasons, if all goes well and they wind up selling him elsewhere or loaning him out elsewhere, whatever the deal might be. But I think because of the fact that it is essentially in the tiered system, the equivalent to League One, it makes sense. Um, 
you might be able to speak better on the Sunderland aspect and what the club was particularly in need of. I know that you're one of the Sunderland experts. Uh, so while the English League One probably wouldn't have been my first guess, I think uh, it's clear that there's a vision and a path that both of these guys can get solid first team minutes. Uh, and for me, as who's someone who's also a big fan of the English game, being a Liverpool fan as well, Sunderland is a club with rich, rich history. And obviously, as you know, Graham, a rich history in the top flight. So I think that's going to be a very positive experience for these guys to experience that culture, uh, you know, the physicality of the English game, you know, the pace of the English game. And, you know, I expect bright things from both of these guys. I mean, first and foremost, we'll go with uh, Leon Dejaku, which I'm, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing correct. I'm pretty certain I am. Um, he's done something that obviously I'm going to refer to him as Big Ron. Um, I'm not going to go with the full name. Just Big Ron will be fine. Um, he looks like Dolph Lundgren, so he's got to be Big Ron. Um, he's obviously signed for Union Berlin this summer. He's obviously left Bayern officially and, and, and gone to Union and then signed for us on loan directly. So re- really, he's had like a day in Union Berlin in that loan spell last season. But he has actually played for Bayern Munich, which is something that obviously Hoffman hasn't. Um, but for people listening, you do sometimes watch YouTube videos, but they let you down often. So what kind of player is the Jackie? What can we expect from him? Uh, I know you're probably going to ask later, like players to compare him to, but so I apologize if, if some names slip out in the description, but what's nice about a player like Dejaku and a lot of these youngsters in Bayern's system, whether it's on the reserves uh, or the academy system, when these guys get a chance, whether it is with the reserves or getting the chance to train with the first team, as a lot of them did actually last year when, uh, you know, Sabinerstrasse, which is Bayern's training ground, was able to reopen after coronavirus. It's a positive. It's such a great experience for these guys to get the chance to train with the first teamers. And, you know, with a player like Dejaku, I always correlate him to like a Jamal Musiala or a Thomas Muller in the sense that, you know, you might find that he's technically listed as a striker, secondary striker. Uh, but this is a guy, he's absolutely fearless taking people on one on one. Very, very pacey is one thing that I think Sunderland fans should really be excited for. Now, obviously, when you get to a higher level, there is a little bit, little bit of a calculated risk with that type of play, you know, a a fearlessness to take people on a willingness to take people on. There's a susceptibility to lose the ball. And tactically speaking, uh, you know, if you're a little bit more exposed in those situations, it leaves you prone to a counterattack, and, you know, you have to ensure that players track back, but this is a guy who will do it on both sides of the ball. The mentality is right. He's not someone like where uh, Leroy Sané for Bayern fans would be a good parallel right now. He's just kind of starting to turn his form around, but, you know, for so much of the beginning of the season, so much uh, during the summer's Euros for Germany, he's the kind of player where, you know, you take someone on, he loses it, the head goes down, you know, the the head shakes begin, look to, looking to the sky, frustrated and not tracking back. And that's something that Hansi Flick really had to work with him on and discuss. And, you know, with a player like Dejaku, he's kind of the opposite of that, where he loses possession, he cedes possession, he will immediately try to win it back. A very ferocious player in that sense. I think he has a little bit of a Yashua Kimmich in him as well. Uh, so I think that would be a, a good way to kind of round out Dejaku. And, um, you know, at, at the very end, too, the, the youngster, he has quite a good finish. So that's something to look forward to as well. Um, so where Sunderland tactically will use him, you know, that's uh, maybe something for you to delve into or you mm-hmm. expand on. I'm not an expert. You know, this uh, when I think of Sunderland, I think back to Liverpool signing Henderson from him and, you know, uh, 
John O'Shea and Cattermole. It was a long time ago. A Sunder, Sunderland fans will know, but th- that's how I would round out Jajaku. Very pat, very fast, very pacey, very quick on the ball, and you know, very very responsive and disciplined to uh, do a number on the other side of the ball when needed. And he can play on the left wing, right wing if needed. I think uh, you'd find preferably he's a little bit stronger as that secondary striker behind the number nine or on the left-hand side. In his interview, he, he sort of discussed moving to England and he said how the pull was due to the, the pace of the league and kind of in uh, pretty good English, to be fair. But he, he basically said that he thinks it's faster is essentially what he got at. But some players move from abroad and, and for whatever reason, they adapt really well. Other players struggle and you can never really give a definite answer on whether he will or, w- or whether he won't. But based on obviously the experience that you've got of Leon, do you think you'll adapt well to the, the blood and thunder of the third tier, which can sometimes be a bit hectic? It is interesting as well, because there's a lot of players who have actually done the opposite. You know, they've had failed loan spells in England and they've come to Germany and they've wound up killing it. You know, you think of your Jaden Sancho's, your Serge Gnabry's, you know, it's funny. I don't want to beat Arsenal fans down right now at all, but it's an absolute travesty that it was them uh, and West Brom who wound up, you know, uh, passing on Serge Gnabry, who's now one of Bayern's, you know, top wingers, so to speak. But uh, I would... It, it's difficult to just kind of, as, especially as a fan of both the German and the English game, to say, you know, England's uh, faster, England's more physical, more tactically sound, and Germany is a little bit slower, like, uh, say, your Serie A or Eredivisie or somewhere else in the world. There's just so much that goes into that. But I think holistically, having Torben Hoffman with him, a guy he's very familiar with, I think it will make the experience. Uh, a little bit better. And as you mentioned, you know, it's not as if Dejaku hasn't had the experience of training with, you know, Lewandowski, Muller, uh, you know, some of the first teamers, you know, Mats Hummels before he left, Jerome Boateng before he left. You know, it's not as if he has no experience and no taste of that at all. While it might just be a training session or it might just be a formality that he got an opportunity in when Bayern had already wrapped up uh, the Bundesliga title, you know, it's still an appearance and that physicality, that pace is still there. I personally think he's going to be a player that will adapt well, and I think his attitude is right. Uh, and that's always going to be something that's going to separate, especially younger players that either make it or don't make it. And for me, as I mentioned, I spoke before about the rich history of Sunderland, you know, the culture uh, surrounding the club. I think that they are going to show that. And by they, I mean, Dejaku and Torben Hoffman. I, I think that they're going to show that plenty of respect and, you know, not take it lightly at all, take it very serious. Um, you know, and the fact that he's excited and looking forward to that and outwardly expressing that that's what he wanted, uh, I feel like he will adapt well. And, you know, if he doesn't, you know, the option is always there for Sunderland, give him back to Union Berlin and, you know, kind of reassess. But I have full faith in him. I think when he when he started, one thing I noticed about his career pathway was that he didn't actually directly come straight through from Bayern. He spent a bit of time at um, Stuttgart as well. In the Bundesliga, I think he made his debut, like, December 2018 before he was eventually purchased by Bayern in the summer of 2019. You have obviously a bit more understanding of Bayern's inner workings of why they would sign a player like him, who obviously has left a, a couple of years later. You sort of touching it before, but um, what, why do you think Bayern originally purchased him from, from Stuttgart? Yeah, and just to expand a little bit, like a lot of people who aren't fans of the Bundesliga or you know German football as a whole, they probably wouldn't know uh, VfB Stuttgart is a very big 
uh, you know, feeder team for a lot of top talents. So a lot of people wouldn't know, you know, your Timo Werner's of the world, Joshua Kimmich's of the world, Serge Gnabry's had all started there at one point. You know, that's that's something that the average fan wouldn't know. But I know I had said this earlier, but Bayern, as I mentioned, you know, they have a very, very intricate system of, you know, youth development, youth talent, whether it's from the academy or whether it's their model of, you know, loaning players out, which I know we were speaking off air has become something that's a lot more popular due to financial losses from coronavirus. So in in one way, that sort of benefited Bayern because uh, a lot of other clubs, whether it's in the Bundesliga, the two Liga, the three Liga or the EFL or League One in this case, you know, they're looking to buy cheaper and looking for those feasible options. And it's a win win for Bayern because of that resale value. And in that sense, they probably saw that in him. Uh, from Stuttgart, you know, hey, we have a track record for finding these youth talents, getting the resale value. Uh, and if they've developed quicker than we anticipated and we actually have a need for them, we can keep them. So that's a win-win. They just gain market value with us. We can integrate them into the reserves, into the first team. And if we loan them out, so, uh, you know, somewhere, whether it's uh, Sunderland or, you know, somewhere else in Germany or anywhere abroad, if they gain valuable experience, that increases their market value for us. We can reassess putting them on the market in a future transfer window or reintegrate them with the squad. Sure, there obviously are many examples of failed loan spells that have just gone absolutely miserable. And then you basically just have dead weight on your roster that nobody wants to buy, which has happened. But, you know, I, I think Bayern has a very good eye overall for that sort of thing. And, and you know, in this instance, Sunderland is going to be the beneficiary of that. You touched on before about loan moves that don't work out. Maybe some people that worry that they look at his, his time at uh, Union Berlin last season and say, oh, well, he only played twice. But correct me if I'm wrong on this, he did have an injury, didn't he? And that's kind of stunted any progress he could have at Berlin. Yes, uh, right towards the end of the season, of, of last season. I know it's so crazy, as I mentioned, with COVID and uh, perception of time. But like, it, it, like we, I was talking on my Slack channel in Bavarian Football Works the other day. And I'm like, yeah, last season, assuming it was a treble season, I'm like, we have had a full season start to finish and a, uh, a European championships in between then like Tom wake up like that, that happened more than a year. Ago. Like while it might've been a calendar year that just like doesn't have to do uh, with the footballing calendar and is absolutely crazy. And then trying to process everything that was deadline day yesterday at the time we're recording is just definitely a lot. So today it's been nice to take a couple deep breaths and, you know, really kind of, um, you know, project what I expect from these guys at Sunderland and, and hoping that they do well. Suppose, I don't want to be harsh on him, but ultimately he's deemed to be not good enough for Bayern Munich because he's moved on, which I'm sure is fine because it's a bit of a different standard to, to where someone currently find themselves at. He has moved to Union Berlin. Um, the fact that he hasn't made it at Bayern would indicate that maybe at the highest level he does have some weaknesses, which may not necessarily be classed as weaknesses at Sunderland, but nonetheless... The weaknesses that he has from your perspective, what would you say the things he needs to work on that he could maybe learn at some end? Well, yeah. Uh, to be fair, there's a lot of things that uh, that do play into that. You know, there, there's definitely a sense of, for the younger players from Bayern's standpoint, you kind of have to look at, uh, have they outgrown the reserve team? Uh, and do they deserve first team minutes? You know, because first team minutes, while it might be at a lesser club and it might be less impactful than actually staying at Bayern's reserves, if that makes sense. Um, 
getting the experience and getting the consistent and the routine minutes uh, at the end of the day, in some cases, is the more important option. But like I was saying earlier, with that fearlessness, you know, you see it with a guy like Musiala, who, you know, he's electric when he comes on and he was nicknamed Bambi by Leroy Sané because he's got these long, lanky legs where, you know, not quite as tall as Peter Crouch, but he just somehow finds a way to poke his legs in between spaces. And it's a three-yard half space. You're like, how the hell did he just get out of that and tap it right to Robert Lewandowski, who's not going to miss, uh, you know, from within, you know, anywhere from 10 to 8 yards. There's a, like I was talking about the calculated risk earlier, it's harder to speak on it because I know the way Byron plays. Nogglesman is a fan of the back three, but we stuck with the back four. I'm not quite sure what uh, Sunderland like to rotate with or how they like to move their midfield pivots, their wing backs, how advanced they are at times. Obviously, it's a game or a match-by-match situation. But in that sense, I would say the weakness would, would be losing the ball. The more you try and create those 1v1 situations uh, or 2v1s to create those half spaces, attract attention, somebody else is always going to be more open don't need to explain to any footballing fan ball moves faster than the man any given day. That's a lesson you learn when you're dribbling too much. Uh, so losing the ball, seating possession uh, in the wrong places, I think he would have a tendency to maybe not make the right decisions. You have to be well aware of what's around you, who's making those overlapping runs, who's advancing. Because if you, if you try to pull something off at the wrong moment and you lose possession, that can completely kill, kill momentum. Everyone will be on, the, on their heels. Bad situations will come from that, from the opposition. So I would say that'd be one thing to keep an eye on. And, you know, if it does wind up happening, hopefully he improves and, you know, increases and heightens that awareness, whether it's in his own third uh, or the attacking third. Now, the one I'm probably most excited about, if I'm completely honest, I don't know if it's just because he looks like the most German man on the planet. Like I said before, he's got the Dolph Lundgren look, but um, he appears to be our new number one. Slightly different situation in the sense that he is on loan. A fee's been agreed, I believe, if we get promoted, that we have to sign him. I'm sure, obviously, if, if we don't rate him or he doesn't want to move, that'll change. But in essence, that's the plan. Um, signed a contract extension. Truthfully, is Hoffman someone you think that could still have a future at Bayern? I, I think yes. I, I go back to that resale value. And... I know I was mentioning to you off air, but Bayern's backup keeper situation behind Manuel Neuer has been quite a bit of a circus for the better part of the past 18 months. You know, as is always going to be the case when you're trying to back up one of the world's best keeper, you know, many would argue that he is still the best keeper in the game. Uh, There's a lot of other contenders for that title. You know, I still consider him to be one of the best easily in the top three uh, for me, you know, the, the quote unquote sweeper keeper, but it's such a tricky situation to kind of piece it all together. So we go back uh, to winter of 2020. We still have uh, Sven Ulreich on our roster, who's an older keeper, uh, formerly of of VFB Stuttgart. He had been Manuel Neuer's backup keeper for several seasons. Uh, Then we agreed to buy Alexander Nubel from Schalke, uh, Nulfia, Schalke 04, and they were an absolute dumpster fire last season and obviously got relegated. And almost, you know, all of the subsequent matches in and around the announcement that Byron was going to sign Nubel and he would become a, an official Byron player in that summer, he started playing awful and was benched by David Wagner, who was the manager at the time. Uh, many of you will know, uh, close friends with Jurgen Klopp, was best man at his wedding and formerly coached uh, Huddersfield Town when they were in the Premier League. And 
you know, it just went really, really bad. And at the time you had Torben Hoffman and uh, Christian Freuchtel splitting time with Bayern's reserves in the season that they won uh, the three Liga. Uh, <laughs> Christian Freuchtel's agent had come out and he was very fiery saying that, you know, why has Bayern agreed to sign Alexander Nubel uh, to be the number two when we already have Sven Ulreich, uh, Freuchtel and Torben Hoffman, who are more than viable options to be either number three or number two in the event that Sven Ulreich would leave, which did wind up happening when, when Nubel came. Ulreich realized he wasn't going to have as much opportunity. And Graham, the weirdest part about this, and it, it was never, I don't know how this was negotiated or why it was, but there was a stipulation in Nubel's contract that said he would play at least 10 matches for Bayern with Neuer in the squad. And mind you, that uh, last season, we got rolled out of the German Cup very early to Holstein Kiel, who are in the league below, which was completely unexpected. It was your typical kind of, uh, we were joking, uh, a cold, wet night in Kiel, uh, just like cold, wet night in uh, Stoke, because it was shitty weather. Sorry, I didn't mean to swear. That was no, just kind of a slip. fine. It we, was absolute, we encourage it on here. <laughs> it was absolute shit weather, uh, slightly rotated squad, panic mode at the end, and we lost in penalties. And so that decreased the opportunity uh, for Nubel to get minutes. And the only reason why he got minutes is because we, uh, you know, clinched uh, winning our Champions League group with uh, two matches to spare, which is, you know, not something you would anticipate happening. So I have no idea why that stipulation in the contract was agreed upon, but. You know, when he only got three, four matches for Bayern last season, his agent put the pressure on and was like, we need to find him a spot, you know, elsewhere. And even so, and then backtracking a little bit, I know I'm going crazy here, but this is the merry-go-round that has been the keeping situation at Bayern. So when Bayern had come back, when everyone had come back, German football was the first to resume after the COVID break for, for two months for us. And they came back. Torben Hoffman was expressing frustration that he wasn't getting as many minutes for Bayern's reserves. And he, his agent was saying, you know, I, he wants to go somewhere and get 13 minutes and for no less than 1 million euro, uh, which is obviously roughly the fee that we wound up seeing yesterday when he completed his move to Sunderland with the option to buy uh, at the end. And then Freuchtel, what wound up happening, obviously his agent had expressed the frustration at the Nubel signing. But he was actually invited by Hansi Flick at the time to train with the first team. So he was kind of in that weird uh, purgatory, so to speak, between Bayern's reserves and Bayern's first team. He was in and around the first team training with them, but never on the bench uh, or in the active roster for them. But because of that, was not with the reserves. So this is a very, very tricky situation uh, that, you know, basically you had a lot of people who were very well qualified and rightfully so, trying to get positions where they could get first team and more consistent minutes instead of having to constantly split time. And obviously, when you have Manuel Neuer in the ranks, that's going to happen. Uh, and so now that Nubel has been loaned out to AS Monaco, Sven Ulreich is back after his loan spell at Hamburg SV. Torben Hoffman obviously is now a Sunderland player. And that, that pretty much wraps up what's been a whirlwind of events for, uh, for Bayern keepers. And now I apologize. I forget what the root question was, but I think the context was very uh, applicable. And I hope Sunderland fans <laughs> realize this, um, but I, I hope that gets people excited. This is a guy very well qualified. Uh, another guy who I think kind of outgrew Bayern's reserves and is very deserving of first team minutes and fought for it. So uh, I think that is definitely also very important context for Sunderland fans as well. 
it feels like with them with Sunderland and and people will obviously have their own opinions on this because he's very much Marmite, if I'm completely honest. But we have a technically number one in Lee Bird, who's been injured in the in the past few weeks. A few people would wanted us to change him. My opinion is he, he does a job and 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 no more, no less. Um, however, he's been injured and Anthony Patterson's came in. He's done okay. I think it really pulled off some fantastic saves. In, in truth, neither of them have moved on over the transfer window. And um, Burge, I believe, is still carrying a nickel. Patterson only played three to four games professionally. However, we brought in this goalkeeper from Bayern Munich and Hoffman. Do you think that Hoffman or Bayern Munich would agree to the loan move if there wasn't a guaranteed opportunity that he's going to be starting for Sunderland every single week? Maybe not every single week. I, I guess uh, a percentage of the matches or a portion of the time, I would not be as uh, crazy as putting a stipulation a la Nubel's contract in there, but I 100% think Bayern would be okay with that because if you were to come back uh, and essentially be behind in the pecking order, be behind Neuer, Ulreich, and probably spend most of his time with the reserves, there's really no resale value in that. So I think they would be a 100% okay uh, with that loan option. And in my mind, I obviously know there's much, much better and brighter minds, you know, behind the inner workings of those decisions. But I just can't see how that wouldn't be the most feasible option, uh, especially for a player who has it in his head that he's outgrown Bayern's reserves and deserves first team minutes and desperately wants them and is willing to fight for them. So um, you obviously know more about the current uh, depth chart of Sunderland's goalkeeping, uh, you know, depth chart. I just said depth chart twice. Kind of had a brain fart there, but I'm not sure if uh, you could probably have a better um, insight onto that. I don't know if it is outrightly the expression that Torben Hoffman is going to walk into the number one slot or how long you anticipate that taking. I mean, do you think he would like quickly integrate in or, you know, I, I apologize. I don't mean any uh, discredit if you've already been knocked out, but like I know that the um, non-Premier League teams and the Carabao Cup a.k.a. the Mickey Mouse Trophy and the FA Cup, they have to go through more stages. Are you still in both, either yeah. or both? So, so there might be opportunity there. I know that the fourth round draw uh, for the Carabao Cup just recently happened. Yeah. I remember listening to BBC where you could win a prize or you go basically Micah Richards show, shows up at your house for the next round draw, uh, which I thought was hilarious. I'd be really surprised if we didn't come in as a number one, but it'd be interesting to see that, I mean, I don't think we'd look for a goalkeeper unless it was going to be a, a replacement goalkeeper because there's just no need to sign a goalkeeper unless you don't think the current number one is where you want to be. But to, to quote Lee Johnson, obviously our boss, he, he said that Hoffman was elite on the ball in terms of playing out from the back. And he has a great pedig pedigree from his learning process and the way that German clubs coach, especially Bayern Munich. Um, in terms of being elite on the ball, I found that really interesting because... We do play out from the back, but not. we don't overplay from the back, in my opinion. But maybe that's because he feels he doesn't have a goalkeeper that, that can play out from the back as much. But Lee Johnson's assessment, he's a man of a lot of words, as Sunderland fans will know. Um, is that an assessment that you'd agree on based on what you've seen? I would 100% agree. And when you were talking about that distribution out of the back, I know that's something... Uh, that I had, um, you know, discussed with you off air before we had started recording, or it might have even been we were communicating on Twitter. But, you know, at, at one point, I remember uh, whether it was a year ago, two years ago, we were actually looking on our site and myself and a few other colleagues in, in particular 
not exactly XG, but average times uh, that Neuer would have the ball after making a save, and it was super low. Uh, you, one of the things you notice about watching him is how quickly he releases after he makes a save and starts the attack the next way. And, you know, kind of in the same way that famous Champions League night, I forget who Tottenham were playing, where the ball boy whipped in the ball really quickly. But Bayern Munich have that too. You know, Neuer is always snipping for the ball real quick on a goal kick, always very, very quick to distribute. Most of the time after he makes a save, he does that trademark like little hop, skip, crow hop thing where he twirls the ball around his back if he's agitated that he can't find someone to get it to very quickly. And I think that's something that is naturally rubbed off onto Torben Hoffman in the amount of time that he spent in and around guys like uh, Manuel Neuer and Sven Ulreich. And, you know, he's even I forgot to mention earlier, there was a situation um, last year where Ulreich was out on loan. Uh, at Hamburg S. Val, Alexander Nubel was actually hurt, and Christian Freuchtel had actually uh, been hurt as well. So Torben Hoffman was listed uh, as the backup keeper and for, I think, two separate Champions League matches behind Manuel Neuer. So he's got that experience, albeit uh, in Geisterspiele or empty stadiums. Ghost games is the direct translation for that. Um, whole different beast when you have away days in the Champions League with you know, 50,000, 60,000 fans. Uh, jeering you but he's had that experience and you know as i just mentioned when when you spend x amount of time training with manuel neuer that stuff is going to rub off onto you and he's the kind of veteran that will put his arm around torben hoffman and will have said you know these things to make sure the distribution is right the shot stopping ability the, the vision you know really if you have a good keeper who's good at that distribution and gets the play started right it can make all the difference in the world and i know i had mentioned to you that Torben Hoffman, much like Neuer, does have quite an arm on him when he wants to throw the ball out and amazing shot stopper as well. And we saw a, a little bit of him in, um, uh, which am I call it, the preseason, the season for Bayern because we had a load of injuries and most of our guys were on extended holiday uh, after the Euro. So it was good to see uh, a decent amount of him during the preseason friendlies. We didn't do that great in the friendlies, but he made a lot of fantastic saves and a lot of good distribution that was on display. And I think when he actually does play for you guys, that's something that you'll see quite a bit of. I think the, a big thing, um, which I was quite pleased to see, obviously he did a little video where he did like his peace sign and, and all that, saying he was really pleased that he was coming to Sunderland. His English was very good, as you can kind of come to expect with with people from Germany, if I'm completely honest. Um, but is he a vocal goalkeeper? Because obviously that's, that's something that sometimes we haven't seen in recent years with the current crop or the current number one that we have, sometimes it can be a little bit of um, uncertainty with coming for crosses and things like that. And I think that'd be quite important to Sunderland fans that he's vocal and strong at coming to collect crosses. Yeah, and even to his credit, I think he is a very vocal goalkeeper. Uh, and to his credit, a lot of times, whether it was with the reserves, because a, a lot of time, like Bayern is just so notorious for having really bad injury crises, whether it's to their back line, midfield, or attacking line. So a lot of times, the manager, whether it's Hansi Flick or now Julian Nagelsmann or before, Nikol Kovac, Jupp Heynckes, they'll have to tap into the reserves and get them, even if they're not going to play in the match, they're in the match day squad, they're a part of the preparations, which means they're away from the reserves. So one aspect you have to look at is in the reserves, especially that, uh, that three-league winning season with Holger Seats, where Torben Hoffman was kind of the main guy at the end of the season, you know, he was not always playing with the same back four, which is very difficult to do because you're often most often communicating with the two center backs and the wide backs. That's probably who you're speaking with the most as a keeper, especially 
uh, when you're on a team where the onus of possession is on you as the better team and you know you have to get those uh, the walls right obviously on set pieces or for corner kicks whether it's a zonal marking system man to man you have to make sure everyone is tracking and tight on their assignment doing what they have to do and uh, I would say naturally, again, as an understudy of Manuel Neuer, he is a very vocal goalkeeper, uh, and you will both hear and see that when he plays. That's great. I'm loving this. But um, probably the big question that I've seen a lot of Sunderland fans asking, he's played an awful lot of football in the German third division with um, obviously Bayern's reserve side because in Germany you can have the B teams and, and stuff like that. We've seen a lot of managers from Dortmund's B team, for example. I think Daniel Farker, obviously, is, is currently... Um, you mentioned um, David Wagner before as well. I don't know how many, to my knowledge, we've seen German players come from that division and move on, but it's very difficult to compare the English third division to the German third division unless you watch them both on a regular basis, which we we don't, obviously, and, and vice versa. But from, from your knowledge of what you've seen, how does the German third division compare to the English third division? Uh, there's a lot of different facets to that. You know, uh, the things I would look at would be physicality, uh, pace, tactics, technical skill, um, and then lastly, personnel. And what I mean by that, as you mentioned uh, so in the in the Zweite Liga and, and the Dry Liga, what you do have a lot of is, you know, basically just the reserve t- reserve sides of, you know, top flight teams, which I know isn't necessarily the case in uh, the English division, you know, below the EFL. And as I mentioned, essentially below the three Liga, like it's a regionally based regional Liga si- uh, system, which is a little bit confusing. Uh, the promotion system for all of those regionally based leagues uh, is a little bit confusing. They've actually gone through a lot of reformations in the past decade uh, or so. Um, <laughs> even I don't fully understand it sometimes. Uh, so to give you some context, like Bayern, like regional league of Bayern. So Bayern, obviously just the German word for that area, Bavaria. So they were promoted from that league uh, and then won the three league not doing as hot this season. They've had a lot of personnel leave. Obviously, uh, a lot of injuries. Uh, they've gone through managerial changes. So I would say stru- from a structural standpoint, because of that, you would find a bit more quality in the th- English third division because I-, I guess there's more structural solidity. It's not the same as the German third division where you have all of that movement. The schedule is a bit different as well. It's a little bit uh, scattered and clustered at the same time. It's not exactly where you play like one match a week. Uh, there are a lot of like these weird little breaks that are hard to explain in, in those leagues and the the comp competitions are a little bit different. So I would just say from a bottoms up approach, there's a, I don't even necessarily know if it would be a larger system in, in English and in England, excuse me, and the English third tier. But I think that's why you would get people to argue that there's a bit more quality and structural integrity. It sounds, it sounds bad that I'm explaining it that way, but it's just, the structure is just different uh, in Germany. And it, uh, I guess it's more geographic. I don't even know. It's like inclusive to the point where there's, there's more, more teams in every different league that have a shot to make it uh, to the three Liga and then respectively the two Liga, but they have a rule. So Bayern, Bayern's reserves could not be promoted uh, to the two Liga. Um, so 
it's just one of the one of those one of those things i guess where because of that i, I think there's a bit more um like the structure is just different in england so and and not only is the english game a bit more physical uh, a bit more tactically quick in my earnest opinion having watched uh, both the german league and the english league for a long long time um i, I think it really just co- does come down to the the structural implications of the uh the, those the german system versus the english system but it will be interesting because like i said there, it's a lot more common to have this route the other way where english third fourth second tier players come to germany whether it's in the top flight or the uh the two liga or the three liga uh, and they do quite well not so much the other way around we haven't seen mm. as many cases of this but I wouldn't take that as a sign of caution for Sunderland fans with these two moves that you've just made, but um, they could definitely, it'd be interesting to see because if they both work out, this could really be, uh, you know, a blueprint and, and some groundwork for, for clubs to do business in the future, whether it's in Germany's top flight or the second league or the third league. I suppose final question then in the sense is that it's a million dollar question really, because we can't look into the future, but if you were a betting man, which you may be, Ultimately, should Sunderland fans be excited about both signings? Collectively, yes, I, I think they should. And I think they're both going to turn out to be great bits of business at the right time, uh, which is the key piece there, especially um, Sunderland fans might not know like the fact that uh, you know Bayern uh, last summer had renewed uh, Freuchtel's, or not Freuchtel, sorry, Torben Hoffman's contract to make sure he wouldn't walk away on a free so this way, everybody that's involved with Torben Hoffman could wind up, if he does well, you know, getting the kickbacks, uh, getting the revenue out of him, and more importantly, getting the good football out of him, which is the ultimate goal. Uh, you're you're going to sign a player with the aim to make your football club better. You're not just going to sign somebody to be dead weight on your roster and, and drag you down. You know, it doesn't take a, a rocket scientist to figure that one out. But I think that Sunderland fans should be excited. I, and I'm very open and accepting to the fact that there might be listeners to this podcast or Sunderland fans that are, um, you know, assuming I'm coming at that with a little bit of bias, but that's completely okay uh, in my books. I, I still would stand by my word and would be happy to, to die by the sword as well. If we, you know, have a recap after, you know, we get to the halfway point, you know, I can come on here and get humiliated a little bit. I'd be absolutely fine with that. I'm all about humility. I definitely make a lot of mistakes and, you know, I'm very big on wanting to own up on them. Perfect. Tom, it's been a pleasure having you back on. Um, I didn't expect it to be Sunderland signed by me, Nicholas. Next time you came back, I thought maybe it'd be a, a World Cup when we get the Germans again. But nonetheless, I'm, I'm pleased to see you back on. It's, it's been a pleasure to have you, mate. Thanks. Yeah, I appreciate it. And who knows, you know, maybe someone in the German system was listening to our podcast back in June and they, they saw the Bayern Munich Sunderland connection. And it's going to be more of a thing now. Fingers crossed Lewandowski's on his way. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. <laughs>